welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined once again by Word Up podcast favorite, astrologer extraordinaire, Robert Phoenix. Before we dive into today's episode, I am reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment, to click the notification bell so you can be apprised of my every next episode. And to sign up for my newsletter, because even with the uh, 
notification bell clicking and subscribing, I have heard that Google is suppressing my content and your best way of keeping apprised of my every next content offering is to be on my newsletter list. Don't worry, I send them out pretty sparsely. I never share your information. You can sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. As well, the way the show is organized, the first half is free for the public. So whether you're listening on a podcast platform or watching on Locals or YouTube, the first half is free. The second half is available for my paid supporters on both Locals and Patreon, where for as little as $5 a month, it's less than a cup of matcha with oat milk, um, you get access to all of my second half conversations, oodles of bonus content, special discounts, and advance notice on webinars, workshops, opportunities to dive in with me one-on-one, -on -one, as well as group settings. So choose your favorite platform, sign up there so that you can be sure to access the second half of this and all of my podcast conversations. I think that does it for housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this juicy AF conversation about the ADL and other things with astrologer extraordinaire Robert Phoenix. Thanks for coming back on. I know this is our third show together. And I had been, I've been wanting to do a deep dive on the ADL with Emily for a while, but she just hasn't really locked into it. So I thought, who's, you know, who's smart, who knows the landscape, who's going to go there with me. So thank you for saying yes um, and coming on to dive into whatever the fuck the ADL actually is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love, I love doing shows with you because you're, you're really smart and you're fearless and um, you're great to talk with. So yeah, easy, no brainer. Thanks. Awesome. Yay. So it had what inspired this was after Kanye got all the bad press for saying what he said. I think it was Kanye or it might have been the basketball player. But they were all kind of they were kind of lumped together at the same time. Right. They were right. lumped together at the same time. And then the ADL swept in and like slapped a fine on one of them. And I was like, how does this work? This unelected agency has declared themselves the arbiters of free speech and when they decide someone steps out of line they levy a fee and then other people actually pay that fee and then what they're not canceled their house isn't burned down so i think i think the uh mechanics behind that was that the nba mm -hmm. who is governed by adam silver and when you look at Adam Silver and Jonathan Greenblatt together, they look like they came from the same uh, reptilian batch. Okay. If, you, if you've ever seen Dark City, um, you've never seen Dark. Oh, oh wow! So, can I do a screen share? Is that, can you do that? Oh, absolutely. Let me make sure you have that. Keep I like up. I like visuals when when we can describe two people. So, um, of course. Wait, let me. I'm trying to figure out how to give it to you, participants. Um, and uh, the the uh, internet is it should provide me with what I'm looking for. Um, okay, I'm just gonna make you host because it's not giving me the like dual okay. option. I promise something. I'll give it back. Thank um, you. So this is this is kind of a funny uh, in in some ways uh, 
image of, of some of the characters we're talking about and one that we did not mention, but will uh, will fit into the into the discussion. So that's uh, Jonathan Greenblatt on the left. That's Adam Silver on the right. This is Harley Pasternak, who is uh, Kanye's handler. Right, right. And, and, and Jonathan a, Greenblatt, okay, ADL president, great. Right, and then you have Nosferatu. And, wow, you know, they're like you know, quadruplets. Yeah, and Adam Silver, to me, always looked like Nosferatu. And I've talked about this on my show and how, like, this was the really the first cinematic portrayal of what a vampire looked like. Right. Right. I mean, look at this. This is not flattering at all. No. You know, this is scary. Scary. So then, as you track the evolution of the vampire in cinema, he becomes much more suave, debonair, and sophisticated, starting with Bella Lugosi, mm-hmm. um, going up through somebody like um, Louis Jordan, who played Dracula. And then you're kind of ending with Gary Oldman, right? So right. it's it, it's like, hmm, let's rehabilitate the image of the vampire, right? Because this is a metaphorical image, right? This is what right. this is representing. Right. But, but it's also, in a lot of ways... Like not too far afield, especially from from uh, Silver. So Jonathan Greenblatt and Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, worked together on the fine, and it was the ADL that put together everything that Kyrie was supposed to do. It wasn't just pay a fine; it was he had to do all this community service. I, I mean, so uh, Kyrie was basically being put through a reeducation moment. And or what? Like, what would happen if he didn't bow down to the ADL? What what would they have done? Um, well, it's not what the ADL would have done. It's what it's what Adam Silver for the M- <clears throat> for the NBA would have done. Got it. And, and so, when you get into stuff like this, there's there's lots of external pressures from sponsors and advertisers. So um, it wouldn't be that you know, hard for somebody to, let's say, target, I don't know, um, AT&T or, you know, one of the, one of the phone companies of mobile and just say, Hey, look, you know, the, uh, the 80, uh, the NBA is not being really responsive to this. Right. Maybe you should write a letter to them. I did pull up the ADLs. So this is from the ADLs website. Yeah. And these are their corporate partners against hate, which anyone watching who understands my languaging work, if we're if we're defining ourselves as against hate, we're only creating more hate. But these are their corporate sponsors sponsors. So I'm guessing it was like to appease Google, Coca-Cola, Comcast, Merck, PayPal, Turner. Yeah, um, those are their direct sponsors, right? Right. And Comcast would play a role, although I think the NBA on ESPN comes through Disney and I don't see Disney on there, but they could apply pressure easily to, uh, to Disney. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a problem at all. So I think the ADL can exert tremendous um, financial pressure and they're also very much connected to the press and the media. So, so, you know, they could make their life a living hell for somebody like Kyrie Irving and, you know, Kyrie did his best to kind of stand up and he kind of apologized, mm-hmm. 
but not really uh, Kyrie's and Aries. So they don't really bow down and apologize too much. No. Um, and, and clearly, <laughs> clearly, Ye did not apologize. Like he, I, did, I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. He did not apologize. And of course, look what happened to him. Basically, you got everything taken away from him. And, you know, so they, th this whole thing, Nick Cannon was the warm up act. Like Nick Cannon came out and started talking about um, like Jews and slavery. Mm -hmm. like he, he started talking about that. And then he started to talk about, uh, Jews in the entertainment business. And then, and then they went after Nick Cannon. Of course, then Nick Cannon had to make all the rounds and go on to the breakfast club and apologize, 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 apologize. Um, so he was the first, they kind of got, I mean, this has been going on for a while, right? but this, this is where they got their, their, you know, modern warmup back was Nick Cannon. So by the time they got to Kyrie, they were feeling very confident about their ability to bend people to their will and exert financial and social and psychological pressure. Um, Do you remember, did Jesse Jackson have to pay off the ADL when he called New York Heimetown? Heimetown? No, I don't think so. He got I, a pass. I, I think, I think Jesse got a pass mm -hmm. because he was, he was a good soldier uh, during the civil rights movement. And um, also, had a very, uh, how shall we say, um, interesting relationship to Martin Luther King uh, on the right. day that he on the day that he died. Right. So right. Jesse knows where the bodies are buried. Literally, he knows where the bodies are buried. So so he's not going to have to, I think, bend the knee that much. Yeah. He's on a longer leash. Much longer Kanye. leash. Kanye. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, cool. Well, I'm wondering. I mean. I know you did a bunch of research. I did a bunch of research. Um, there's some modern, I mean, a bunch of modern stuff. But when I was following a hunch, and I'll just, let me make sure I still have screen share. Yeah, okay. Um, so I followed a hunch based on some of the research that I've been doing just in general. And so in terms of, you know, taking us back to the origin point, I'm just going to share this piece that I found which is um, how Tavistock helped the ADL make the Jews victims. And so this was my original hunch about the ADL when I was like, it feels like all this woke stuff that we have now, cancel culture and victim culture. My gut was like, I feel like it was birthed out of the ADL. Mm -hmm. So what, I, what this, I mean, this is a longer article, but basically what it says is that the ADL put curriculum into schools mm -hmm. um, to teach. So it says here, um, Dinnerstein, they call him the racist propagandist for the Anti-Defamation League of Benai Birth, which we know is a Masonic um, yep. outcropping, mm -hmm. um, reveals that the ADL published various instructions to parents that they should make sure that their children were aware that a hostile word in world intended to persecute them. So that was written by um the Tavistock clinic. So so are these are these children in traditional Jewish schools that are getting that programming? I believe so. So to me uh, to me this is like the greatest um example of deep cognitive dissonance that 
anyone could experience, right? So on one hand, children are being told that they're going to be persecuted, run from town to town to town, right? So they're going to be paranoid. Um, There's already built an enemy. But then on the other side of it all, they're like, well, we're the chosen people, right? We're special. And so you have this really weird thing going on. Like on the one hand, it creates this ongoing generational brooding sense of paranoia. Right. And, and on the other hand, there's the sense of, well, you know, we're entitled. And then, you know, the glory, the glory are cattle. Right. So, you know, when you get, when you get something like that in, in my kind of experience and understanding, <clears throat> that's how programs are created, right? You tear somebody basically in two psychologically. And so they're, you're sending two, like, you know, maybe those two messages converge. We're being persecuted because we are special. We're being persecuted because we are chosen. We're being persecuted because we are smarter than everybody else. Maybe that goes hand in hand. But nonetheless, right, it's one of these things where you're a victim, but then you're also, you know, kind of this progenitor of the world that has been chosen to play a very special role in, you know, law, medicine, business, finance, whatever. So you have these two weird poles that are, are, you know, running current, you know, through a, through a group of people and, and their evolutionary process. And uh, I mean, honestly, I think it creates a bit of schizophrenia. For sure. I mean, in my, and I don't think I'm like standard issue person of Jewish heritage. So I didn't get that chosen bit. And my sense was in what I'm reading about the ADL, they seem more focused on the like, you're marginalized, you're victims, you're a lesser class. It seems like the chosen thing, if that indoctrination, it it seems like that's more coming out of the synagogues, out of Hebrew school. That doesn't, I'm not seeing that coming directly out of ADL. It seems like given, um, Tavistock's influence on ADL, that it's to create division and fragmentation in culture, and you're going to get more. Well, it actually, I see how both work. You're better, you're worse. Yeah, it's a total schizophrenic. It mindset. is. Yeah. So it looks like that the, uh, the architect of that program is Kurt Lewin, which I saw in that document, Yeah. who, who comes out of the Frankfurt School. Right. And in the Frankfurt School, or, well, I'm sorry, they're devils. That's what they are. They're complete devils. And their role is to implement, um, you know, their version of social Marxism. And, um, and, 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 you know, who's in their field, right? Who's in their target zone? Um, I don't think they have any problem uh, moving their psychological, um, you know, scope around their periscope around to figure out where they need to use the divide and conquer because that's what Tavistock is great at. Exactly. And they don't have an allegiance to any group. They hate all of them. It's just like use their tactics to keep us apart. So my sense is that they started off with the Jews. And now what we've seen over the past like 50 years is just taking it into gays, blacks, trans, like it just seems to be spreading. Well, so yes, absolutely. You know, the whole thing, which for people who aren't aware uh, this comes out of the the uh, lynching of Leo Frank, mm-hmm. and uh, Leo Frank raped a young woman and went to prison. And I think it was the governor of what was it uh, Mississippi or North Carolina. Um, anyway, just before he was about to leave, 
he commuted Leo Frank's sentence, like under a lot of pressure, heavy duty pressure. And the locals were like, no, that's not going to work. So they went out and they took justice into their own hands. And so the Benai Brith and $200 and an office space started the ADL after that moment. And that's where they kind of got their legs. Um, But I think to your point, and as I went through this material, like for instance, I sent you that link to that story where the ADL is kind of like interacting with the left mm-hmm. in, in the Bay area and trying to kind of appease the left. Right. And, 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 you know, now they're, they're dealing with this so-called idea of fascism and they're trying to kind of run the game with the left, but then they'll flip and they'll, they'll go full on hardcore Zio Israel. Right. Right. So they're, they're shapeshifters. The ADL, are complete shapeshifters and they will use whatever leverage that they have. So when I watched Jonathan Greenblatt on the breakfast club mm-hmm. with Char- Charlemagne, the God, it was like, yeah, we need to stand together against evil whitey right now as evil whitey. And, 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 you know, if I was, you know, if I was the guys in the breakfast club, I'd smell that thing coming a mile away, right? You're, you're being, you're being used again. Like you're, you're like, this has been what's been going on for a very long time, but, but they're doing this thing now, right? They're, they're trying to move into the, into the rainbow circuit and, and right. bring all the dispossessed people of the world and to make sure that, you know, they're not going to be hassled and harassed by these evil white nationalists. So um, in fact, just before we got on the air. I was just reading a story that Bob Kraft, this it doesn't have anything to do with the ADL, but maybe a little bit. Bob Kraft is the owner of the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. and he's just pledged $25 million to fight anti-Semitism and hate. So this wait, is- Wait, wait, wait. Spurred by what? Like, what was the inciting incident? There is no- uh, So, okay, you have the really bizarre synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh- like really bizarre. Like the guy who theoretically did it, he's never stood. He's never, he's never had a trial. Mm-hmm. He's never had a trial. I'm not even sure the guy even exists. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened with that event. Right. So there's that. And then, you know, there's this ongoing kind of rampant rise in anti-Semitism. I think he's talking about Kanye and Kyrie. Like, so they're trying to piggyback, you know, uh, on this stuff. And so, you know, Bob Kraft gets to hang out with, uh, you know, some B-level, you know, celebrities or whatever and do these little fundraisers or events. It's just like, you know, it's just grease in the wheels. But what they do is they create programs. And that's really good at what the ADL, that's really one thing, that's what the ADL is really good at is creating programs. And I got a whole list of uh, basically uh, press releases from the ADL right off their website. I don't know if they're there anymore, but I found them. And they're all about these programs that are in conjunction with the FBI and local law enforcement and the CIA. So I, you want to see any of them? I have them yes, right here. Yes, I want to see all of them. I'm going to yeah. give you back. You're, you're the host again. Okay, so let me, um, yeah, so I found some really interesting information. Let me see if I can do I mean, this. I think one of the basic things that frustrates me so much about the ADL and their influence on culture is anti-Semitism is now become the most broad-based phrase that they will throw at anything. Like you just say, I don't like, 
you know, Bob's shoes. And if Bob had a Jewish grandmother, all of a sudden that statement becomes conflated with anti-Semitism. Like that's that's how my, how um, reckless I feel the ADL is with that phrase. Yeah. No, I I I totally agree. And and let's be honest, what is the definition of Semitic anyway? I mean, you know, if we're going to be really granular about Semitism, well, aren't you know, aren't aren't no, aren't, pal- aren't aren't Palestinians Semitic people? I mean. I, I, I think they are. I think Palestinians are Semitic people. So according to Etymology Online, Semitic denotes the major language group that includes Hebrew, Arabic, Aramaic, Assyrian, distingu- distinguished by triliteral verbal roots and vowel inflection. So it's, la- it's a language-based language description of a people. Correct. That includes Arabic, Aramaic, Right. Like, that's pretty broad. That's pretty like, like when you, when you say anti-Semitic, you're basically la- labeling every single person in that language family as right. being, being part of the, the, the label. Yeah. Pretty broad. Um, so this goes back to 2003 and um, I got a bunch of these here. And when they say programs, like, are they directly referencing like psychological manipulation? No, these are real programs. So this is the Anti-Defamation League, Southeast Region, sponsored the Federal Bureau of Investigation, United States Attorney's Office Domestic Terrorism from Detection to Response on March 25th, 2003 in Atlanta. 280 law enforcement personnel from eight southern states attended. According to Deborah Lauder, ADL Southeast Regional Director, the goal of the conference was to give each participant the knowledge and focus and tools to affect changes necessary to meet security and challenges of our post 9-11 world. And it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It's like, it goes all the way down into like local law enforcement. Well, and um, also why is a private group working with our federal Bureau of Investigations? Like, even if you claim to, it's so, so many steps removed from their lane. Here's another example. I mean, this is, this is from the Dallas region. We're talking regional, um, you know, regional engineering, Robert A. Martin, the Anti-Defamation League Security Security, addressed the International Association of Chiefs of Police Committee on Terrorism at the organization's mid-year meeting in Dallas. On Texas Bay, 2003, the meeting was also attended by representatives of the Dallas Police Force, Dallas FBI. Mr. Martin gave an overview of ADL and its expertise in domestic terrorism and hate crimes. Attendees were provided copies of the league's CD-ROM, Extremism in America, and information about the league's new law enforcement website. So, this is, you know, they were actually at one point, they were sending people over to Israel. They were sending police chiefs over to Israel and they were getting trained by the IDF in how to deal with people. And some of that stuff started to come back. Um, for instance, I forget who the police chief was in Ferguson, but he had gone to Israel to study how the IDF does response on this stuff. So, you know, things started to get really, really weird uh, post 9-11. And, uh, you know, the the uh, ADL was getting just tons of money. I mean, the, the amount of money that they get is just, you know, it's crazy. Um, oh, I pulled up their financials. Have you have you seen I, I was I was going to do that, but I just I could only imagine how much money they get. Oh, it's kind of crazy. Um, if we look at their. 
I mean, here, I'll take screen share back, but I Go mean, the amount of mo money that they're pulling in every year is crazy. Sorry, now it's not letting me uh, unhost you. Oh, I got it. Okay, so. Okay, so check this out. Um, so this is their investments at fair value. So these are investments they're making like 79 million is just how much like, I guess, extra money they have to invest at the end of each year. Wow. That's I mean, that change, huh? right? Wow. Um, let me go up further. So this is cash flow from operating activities, 35 million in 2020. Um, cash and cash equivalents end of year, 44 million. So they doubled between 2020 and 2019. They made 20 million more. The whole thing's so shady. Well, hate is good for business. Definitely. The hate is good for business. And, you know, they're like any other, you know, political organization uh, who's who's invested in profiting off off of uh, people's uh, fears. Um, yeah. they're, they're, they're basically shakedown operations is what they're they are. total shakedown. They're like mafia. Yeah. I mean, yes. who's giving them $62 million a year? What is that about? And I think that's above the line economy. Okay. That's above the line numbers, right? Like what's happening behind the scenes. Exactly. Totally. Exa exactly. Yeah. Where, and where is the money coming from too? Exactly. You know, like for instance, they do this with, um, with churches, right? Because the, the the ADL and the church are both nonprofits, right? They're both nonprofits, if I'm not mistaken. How so, can you be a nonprofit and then have like tens of millions of dollars to invest in mutual funds? Like that is crazy. <laughs> well, the other thing too is when you have all these mega churches, um, you can you can just make a donation. You don't have to say where it's coming from. Right. So mm -hmm. a lot of the mega churches are actually um, really good and, and in some cases used for money laundering. Right. So, right. and I don't know if, if this, because there's a lot of people that I think would love to catch the ADL in money laundering. So I think there are people that watch what they do. But, you know, who the donors are and where the donors are getting their money from. Right. That's a whole other thing. You know, so let's say Bob Kraft or somebody has some extra cash on the side that, you know, they want to, you know, th they don't want to track it, right? They'll funnel it over to the ADL. You'll say, oh, great. Thanks for the donation. Well, that's money in the bank for Bob Kraft, right. or that that's money in the bank for somebody who's going to need it somewhere down the line. Right. So it's an investment. And one of the things that I found, no matter what was going on at any given period of time with the ADL is that they were always very tight invested with Israel. Like very tight investment. So no matter what was happening here domestically, that relationship was like intact. It was sacrosanct. And through through APAC and the ADL, you know, they're like they're like the one-two punch um in terms of lobbying and protection. Well, and that's like the giant snow job that I'm so excited for everyone to wake up to, the conflation of Israel with Judaism, 
Jewishness. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It's like a deep state stronghold in the Middle East. That's right. It's a, it's really, a, it's, it's, it's really like a, like a you know, center of a crime, like a crime empire. Right. Right. And if it, you say anything vaguely critical about like how Palestinians are treated there or anything that becomes branded as anti-Semitic, which makes no sense. Like it's so I, many right, leaps right, exactly. removed. And we, and we just looked at what the source of anti-Semitic, what Semitism is. They're going to fall in the same language group. So it makes no sense at all. Right. Yeah. And, and by the way, there are other crime cities, you know, like New York is a, is a part of the crime network and London's part of the crime network. And Frankfurt is part of the crime network. But right? no one gets the protection that Israel gets. Like I remember after Katrina, like those grants were being withheld from anyone who was critical of Israel. That's right. Well, yeah, soil. yeah, absolutely. It was happening in Rockport, Texas. And, and um, yeah, and that's not the first time. That's not the only time Greg Abbott did that. There was, there was some other things that happened. There was a woman who, um, got fired from her job. Uh, it, I think it was the school district in Georgetown and she had to sign some anti BDS thing in order to get her pay. Um, yeah. And, and of course, Abbott, Abbott also tried to get gab banned, uh, here in Texas. Like he made a big deal about banning gab. So we know who's, you know, who's buttering uh, Greg Abbott's bread. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. He's been to the wall, you know, there's pictures of him, all these, all these, Politicos have been to the wall. Ron DeSantis has been to the wall. Trump's been to the wall. Obama's been to the wall. You know, they've all been to the wall. They all wear the little hat and they go to the wall, right? So It's so weird. And then this new, I mean, I found this other article that the new president has been like overly critical of Trump and is coming out of the Obama administration, which is flipping the sort of like left-right ADL allegiance, allegedly, but as you're saying, like they just kind of play all sides. They play all sides. I mean, they're into power, right? And they'll use leverage and power um, any way they can. And, you know, Greenblatt does theoretically come out of the left. And, you know, he's also um, got this water called Ethos. Do you know about Ethos water? Wait, that's his? That's his brand. Yes, Ethos. Okay. So he came to that through the Starbucks world because he was like a brand manager for Starbucks. Okay. So that's Jonathan Greenblatt's background. He's like marketing and uh, product development. And, and of course he was, I think, I think he might've replaced Rahm Emanuel's chief of staff after Rahm Emanuel left. So yeah, I mean, yeah, theoretically he comes from the left, but if you go into his Wikipedia page, it says his parents are conservative Jewish, right? And you'll, right. I mean, you, you'll see this, like, it's really confusing, you know, like when you get into the neocons, you'll find the same thing. You'll, you know, you know, this week, Bill Crystal's, you know, a progressive. Oh, next week he's, he's a, he's a conservative, right? They're just, they're shapeshifters and, you right. know, they're, it's clear that they have a couple of allegiances. One seems to be Israel, um, and the other seems to be power and they're, you know, they're, they're part of this shakedown scheme. In fact, you and I were talking earlier, there was this guy named Mo Dalitz mm-hmm. who was, um, kind of a Meyer Lansky figure. And he was one of the biggest donors to the ADL and Meyer Lansky's daughter became like a fact checker for the ADL. 
or or granddaughter, Mira Linsky, Mira Linsky, Meyer Lansky's granddaughter, went to go work for the ADL as one of their investigators. Right? Well, that totally makes sense because they're both mob. Like it just all seems it's so mob. They're, they're, they're mobby. They're 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 right. to- they're totally mobby. You know, and but the, I mean, in, I guess in fairness to the ADL, they're not the only ones. You know, but but, but they're the but power they have huge power is singular. Like I don't know anyone who gets to strong arm people and like muscle money out of people or shut shut stories down. I mean, this one, which I'm guessing we've all probably seen this, but I'm gonna just share this piece. I found this in my kind of earlier research about the ADL, but um, so there was this article about. Fox News deletes Soros Puppet Master cartoon after ADL calls out anti-Semitism. And I find it hilarious when people ever defend Soros as a Jew, given that he literally worked for the Nazis, has literally come out and said he's he doesn't feel bad about it. He would do it again like he hates Jews. This was the cartoon that the ADL freaked out. So we have Soros holding these puppets, defund the police, no bail, DAs. Where is Jewishness in this? What does this have to do with being anti-Semitic? There, there, it, it's a really good question. I don't think it has anything to do with it. Nothing. But the fact that they wield that much power that they got this, what, taken down? Um, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that is the guillotine. The guillotine is to be considered anti-Semitic, right? I mean, if you're anti-Semitic or being accused of being an anti-Semite and you have professional standing, you know, unless you walk it back and say you're sorry and I misspoke and I didn't understand, you know, as on a professional level, you'd be screwed. If you go back to that page and you could see that they partnered with PayPal, I mean. Oh, the, the global. Yeah. Now, now, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, you know, Things get real sticky when it comes to partnerships and speech and, um, you know, penalizing people financially, right? It's, it's so sticky tricky because we have, like in this one, so this is the ADL, as we've told Fox News numerous times, casting a Jewish individual as a puppet master who manipulates, like, manipulates national events for malign purposes, conjures up longstanding anti-Semitic tropes about Jewish power. No, like we're allowed to criticize people for being puppet masters. But one thing that I've noticed in in like the cultural landscape with like PayPal and big tech and whatnot, when I was I got my my um, Facebook account shut down like a year ago, it might have been longer than a year ago, but it was in this, you know, the culture we're in now. I couldn't get nothing happened. I couldn't get any customer service. I couldn't get anyone to respond to me. And I was on Twitter kind of bitching and people were like, just play their stupid game, like play some sort of woke victim card. And so I wrote, um, I guess Facebook hates Jews. My account was up within five minutes. Wow. So freaking fast. And it was like, I felt disgusting and dirty for pulling that, but it was like the only card I had to play and it actually worked, which is just even worse. So think about the psychological impact and the effects that that would have on an entire group of people. 
Well, it's just like, I mean, this is why I rejected the whole thing growing up, because I was like, I'm watching everyone in my family play the victim card all the time, and it didn't sit well with me, so I rejected that. But I didn't realize that this was a whole Tavistock program that was running and was super deliberate. I mean, that's the quickest way to like disempower and fragment to people is tell them that everyone hates you and that you have it worse and you're a second class citizen. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I think you're entering into the deep waters of cognitive dissonance and people that have been um, psychically torn asunder because they're getting these dual messages that, that are, you know, and, and maybe they could theoretically work hand in glove. Well, because of all this, you know, we have to stick together and work harder than everybody else. So therefore, you know, get to sleep and, you know, crack your books. I mean, I guess I could kind of see that, but at the end of the day, I mean, I saw this, this video one time, um, this woman, do you ever watch uh, the video channel, soft white underbelly? Do you ever watch that channel? Mm -mm. So there's this guy who lives in LA and he's kind of like the Diane Arbus of video. Okay. And, and he interviews very fringy people with very fringy stories. They're all in black and white, kind of like Diane Arbus. And he had this one woman on there who grew up in a hardcore Orthodox Jewish family in New Jersey. And hmm. it was her story. And it sounded like a fucking horror story. I'm sorry you know, what they put her through and eventually shipping her off to Israel because she wouldn't conform or, you know, but the message that she got in that household was exactly what we're talking about. Like the heavy, heavy duty paranoia, right? Hardcore paranoia. But on the other hand, coming through her father, who was a rabbi, was this whole other story um, about, you know, their special place with God and the chosen people. And so she's getting this weird, you know, kind of cognitively dissonant narrative. And she eventually kind of loses her shit, you know, it's a really interesting interview. I'll send you the link to it later. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, my guess is that that happens in any orthodoxy, in any orthodox upbringing, because if you're orthodox, it's like so extreme. It's so dogmatic. It's our tiny special group against anyone else. I don't think you get it sometimes in Catholicism. Okay. Some parts of Christianity, even though I'm probably not the best uh, spokesperson for this, mm -hmm. but you, you, there's this other side of Christianity, which is, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Right. I, and I, I don't, get a sense that Catholics like your common Catholic sees themselves as being above the fray, right? Okay. Like I don't get that. Um, here in Texas, I don't get that the Southern Baptists see themselves as God's chosen, God's chosen people only if they're saved maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think if there's any other version of orthodoxy where that may take place. I don't know. I don't know enough about Islam. Maybe there is a pocket of Islam that might have that. I don't know, mm -hmm. but um, clearly it's a very, it's one, it's a, it's one of those paradigms where these two extremes are happening kind of at the same time. Speaking of the Catholics, by the way, um, on my notes, what do I have here? This is my digging um, that um. Where, where, where did I have this? It was 
The ADL prior to Vatican II mm-hmm. was really coming very hard at this whole idea of anti-Semitism in the early 60s. Okay. And so there is a thread that 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 the ADL influenced the church, the Catholic Church, to change its church doctrine that moves the blame of the crucifixion away from the Jews of Christ. That happens in Vatican II. And there's a there's a, a passage from the Bible um that that says um and his blood will be on our sons and daughters, which I think is referring to the sons and daughters of Israel, the blood of Christ, right? So that was always referenced pretty heavily prior to Vatican II, and they stopped referencing that. So the ADL had um, a role in influencing Vatican II and, and, the, and the role of the, of, of the Catholic Church and how they viewed Judaism so everything and Vatican II, everything changes. The mass changes, everything changes, and there's a really uh, strong case to be made that the ADL was working at a high level with, you know, these church leaders inside the Catholic. I mean, some of it too is that the Catholic Church wanted to become contemporary, right? And didn't mm-hmm. want a liturgy that was stuck in the you know Middle Ages and wanted to sing folk songs at church and shit like that. But clearly, they moved away from a message that had been a part of the church for a very long time, and that was no longer a part of the central core of their message. That's interesting. Yeah. The ADL is very, very powerful, extremely powerful. And, you know, there's there's lots of cases of this. The, uh, The story that we talked about while we were on the phone earlier today with the SFPD, and the LAPD getting busted in the 90s. I mean, this is a huge story. Yeah. Like a major story. Like the ADL had chapters in SF and Los Angeles, and they were involved heavily in spying and espionage. And they kept files on people. And there was this one guy, uh, Roy Bullock, who was their go-between, which you and I talked about. And he he had infiltrated this, this group um, which was this, um, what's the name of the group? He was the chairman of this guy. Alex Oda was the chairman of the uh, Arab American Anti-Discrimination League. And so he was killed by a bomb. This is in LA. He's killed by a bomb where he opens the door to his office. And one of the guys that had infiltrated that group was this Roy Bullock guy. And, they, and the police in, in San Francisco had busted him with all this ADL stuff. So he had the key to the office. And then this other, these other three guys who were fingered for the explosives, they they fled town and went to Israel, so they were gone, right? So this whole thing comes up. There's this other guy um, who's part of it, um, this Tom Tom Gerard guy who's really weird. He's ex CIA. He's now infiltrated into um, the uh, uh, San Francisco PD, and he's navigating through there for the ADL. And they were about to bust him when they found all this evidence. He goes to the Philippines. They find the satchel that he left behind. He's got like 10 passports, 10 different identities. He's got photos of death squads. He's got a black hood. Like this guy's really creepy, right? And he's working with Roy Bullock. They would split the money 50-50. 
uh, that the ADL would give them. And Roy Bullock, who was gay, said, I may be queer, but when it comes to doing business, I'm straight as a board. That was his statement, right? So he and he and this guy, Tom Gerard, split it right down the middle. And then, you know, the ADL kind of works it and works it and works it. They're fined $75,000, and then they take that money and they throw it into ADL-sponsored groups in San Francisco to, to divvy the money up. So it's a total win for them. And then not long after that, well, I guess it's maybe what, 10 years after that, uh, there's this guy, Bernard Parks from LA. You, you might remember him. He was the PD. Mm-hmm. In 2002, he signed an agreement with the ADL to share information. Why is this, Why are they an intelligence agency all of a sudden? <laughs> they do more than just gather. They infiltrate. Well, they break the law. Spying on American citizens is illegal. And I mean, there are so many instances of them spying and there are instances where they get away with it, where the judges like throw the cases out. Except for the one case I told you about. Right. Which was Quigley versus Aronoff, it's, uh, Aronson, mm-hmm. which is this really interesting story about these neighbors in Colorado that didn't get along. And the Quigleys obviously are not, they're not Jewish and the Aronsons are, and the Aronsons sounded like just fucking terrible people. Um, and so what happens is that the ADL sets them up with spy equipment. So they're able to tap into the Quigley's phone calls. And that's where they, they start to press charges against the Quigley's because they've got the ADL's little, you know, police scanners and you know, all those phones back in the, in the eighties and nineties, especially the nineties, they're all radio phones, right? So you could pick up the conversations if you had the right equipment and that's what they're getting. So they're picking up these phone calls and, you know, they're, they're, they're passing information back and forth. Well, the, the Quigley's countersued uh, the Aronsons and they sued the ADL and they won for $12 million. And, and what's funny about it is that the Quigley's had a Jewish lawyer, which I think is hilarious right? Their lawyer was some guy named Horowitz. So it was Horowitz and the Quigleys versus the ADL. And the ADL tried to reverse the decision and the higher courts would not do it. They're like, no, no, you were way outside the bounds, way outside the law. And they had to pay the Quigleys $12 million. Which I'm guessing is still less than the basketball player had to pay them. (laughs) Probably. I'm not sure what Kyrie had to give up, but um, twelve million dollars in nineteen nineties money. That's pretty good. Good, yeah. Pretty good, yeah. So, but that's what they, but that's what they were capable of, right? Like they ran to the ADL. The ADL said, "No problem. We'll set you up with the spy equipment." Well, and- the fact that they're still, it hasn't hurt their standing, like in the larger cultural discourse. Like, no, I'm not hearing anyone reference that the ADL has a spying problem. <laughs> well, it's 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 uh, it's dangerous. I mean, it's really, to criticize the ADL. Well, I mean, think about it, right? Like, if that, if everything we've said is true, right? And and I and I and I wouldn't bring up any of these cases if they weren't okay. Right. The, ima- the amount of intelligence and intel that they have on people is probably pretty significant. It's so true. Yeah. So it's like, well, you remember this, like, mm. right? And this is no different than the Cheka or you know, KGB, right? And if you kind of drill down, you'll probably find like that guy, you know, Gerard, he's ex-CIA and he's 
now working for SF, he's in SFPD, but he's really undercover for the ADL. And, and I think you have a lot of overlap between the ADL and the FBI. Robert Mueller was that legal. It's, it's, it happens all the time. And I think these agencies, they're all, they're all buddy, buddy. They're all sleeping with each other. They all exchange information. Right. And and it's like one big network and, you know, they, they probably, you know, just trade info or sell info. So that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why I don't think that they've had to, you know, go through the ringer socially and they can always levy the anti-Semitism trope and, you know, that's, that's been a flamethrower. That's, that's completely torched careers and lives. Oh, completely. I mean, you, you just utter the word and like the conversation is, is supposed to shut down and you're supposed to be appropriately apologetic and all those things for this misused term. Um, what and were by you the way, by, by the way, that clearly, that stuff clearly is very Tavistockian, right? Cause you could apply that to racist, now it's homophobic. Now it's transphobic. transphobic. It's all, it's all the same. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I'm saying it seems like the, um, the formula started with the ADL and anti-Semitism, and now we just see the formula being applied to all the other supposedly marginalized, marginalized slash now privileged groups. Right. And so who's going to be out in front, you know, doing the, the legwork and, and, you know, the dirty work in the trenches for these groups, it's going to be the ADL. There may be a few of these other groups. So, you know, they'll, they'll expand their model, right. They'll expand their model, which is what Jonathan Greenblatt was trying to do on the breakfast club with, um, you know, with Charlemagne, the God, he's like, yeah, you know, we're all in this together against these evil white people. I mean, really that's what he was saying. And the whole thing is, it's just so weird, right? Even the cognitive dissonance and looking at Jonathan Greenblatt, even though he does look like um, Nosferatu a little bit, <laughs> you know, he, he would pass for white. I mean, that's the other thing that's really weird about this whole thing. Well, yeah, that's the other big, big kind of another piece of cognitive dissonance is in the like oppression Olympics scale. Jews aren't in there. Like if, if, if white people are supposed to, pay reparations to gay people for not being able to be married or black people like that will also include Jewish people, which is how it's like kind of fuzzy in the oppression Olympics conversation. Yeah, it is until of course the argument or the discussion is directly related to that. And then all of a sudden they're at the top of the pyramid in the oppression Olympics, right there. They've got, they've got the gold medal ribbon at that point. But if it's something else, they're, they're, you know, usually in the background. But kind of, but, but I don't see anyone like no one's getting, um, like affirmative action hires or college entrance because they're Jewish. Like that has not, that hasn't existed in my lifetime that I'm aware of. So it's weird. And it speaks to the cognitive dissonance that you brought about in the beginning, as far as you're chosen and you're also oppressed where it's like, well, which is it? Cause it's right. Exactly. It's yeah. always a schizophrenic. It's really schizophrenic. Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding 
slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rocking day. See you next time, superstars.